Yes, the Avengers. <laughs> Earth's mightiest heroes in the Marvel Comics universe. They are a team of super-powered beings, men and women, from Thor to the Hulk to Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Black Widow. And their whole goal is to protect the Earth from evil. Uh, in the last uh, series of movies, uh, the most recent one being The Endgame, which is uh, uh, just out very uh, not long ago, uh, still in theaters today, uh, the bad guy is a, the, definitely an evil guy. His name is Thanos, and he's this big purple guy from the planet of Titan. Uh, he's a strong-looking dude, very evil. Uh, but also, the second picture we have of him, he also looks like Grimace from McDonald's, if you all remember him uh, back in the day, uh, the car cartoon character Grimace. But... Uh, yeah, I remember him. Uh, I don't know what happened to Grimace, but uh, Thanos is no soft, furry kind of a guy. He is uh, the epitome of evil and power, and he has a vision. He thinks the only way that the universe will survive, and of course, in Marvel Comics universe, there are beings from all planets all over the place, and so the only way that the universe will survive is that if he wipes out half of the universe. He says the universe has too much population, and people are fighting for resources, and because of that, many people are dying violent deaths. And he says, the only way that I can save the universe, this God kind of complex that he has, is to cut it in half. So that the half that remains will then have room to spread out and use the resources, and that's the only way that anyone's going to survive moving forward. He figures out a way to do this, uh, and in the blink of an eye, he snaps his finger, and half of every living creature in the entire universe disappears. Now we hear that and we, we imagine that in our head. It just seems so far-fetched to be true, but it would affect real everyday people, real life everyday people that we would care for, such as these folks. Check it out. For fiction, it gets pretty emotional, doesn't it? Friends just disappearing into dust, half of the universe fading away, dying, Young Peter Parker, Spider-Man, saying, I don't want to go. And he sees himself dying right in front of himself. And then the smug guy, Thanos, after he's killed half the universe, sits down and he rests and he smiles. It's almost as he's, he's definitely a self-righteous person thinking he's doing the right thing, but in doing the right thing, he's committed a great evil. He's wiped out half the universe. Well, the Avengers who survive, of course, were not able to stop him. And they're mad and they're angry and they want to live up to their name of the Avengers to gain vengeance, to, to make Thanos pay. And so eventually they find out a way to get to where he is and they go and they kill him. They wipe him out. They avenge the earth. They avenge the universe and he is dead. And people cheer in the movie theaters and we're grateful to see that he got what he deserved. But did they have the right? Did they have the authority? Were they any better than Thanos when they chose to take his life, just as he had taken the lives of so many people? Now, of course, this is a made-up movie. It's a made-up story. But I think the reason that it is, resonates with so many people is that we are attached to the characters first and foremost. But I think the themes are real. And we understand the theme of revenge. We understand the theme of anger. We understand the theme of people in our lives deserve to pay when they mess up, especially when they mess with us. They deserve to have accountability in their lives. And so we understand the need and the feeling sometimes for revenge. 
All right, we just this last week, right, last Sunday, Pastor Lindsay in our services, she prayed for the, the victims and the survivors of the two mass shootings in Texas and Ohio. And, and we see that and we, it hurts our hearts. And uh, it, just, it seems like in America now, we, we are just living in this weird time where we don't feel safe and we have this anxiety that we can't send our kids to school. We can't go to see a movie in a theater. We can't go out to church. We can't go get a meal in a restaurant. We can't go shopping at a, at a shopping center without fear that there's going to be violence. That we or our children or loved ones could, could be killed just doing an everyday activity. And so when the police catch the jokers that do this or, or they shoot them in the line of duty, then we cheer and we're grateful saying they deserved it and they need to pay. Right? Way to go. They, we, we, we understand that feeling. I doubt there's anybody other than his family, Jeffrey Epstein's family, weeping tears for him that he died in prison this weekend after being uh, allegedly accused of trafficking children under the age of 14. If he died that way, right, then he deserved it. We're not going to miss him. We, we feel that anger in our hearts. We feel it in our, in our, in our, in our core of our souls. Right? My friend that I mentioned last Sunday whose wife of almost 12 years, cheated on him and divorced him and broke his heart and, and broke the heart of their three-year-old daughter and shows no remorse. He just wants her to, to, to answer to something. It just, and we can't blame him, right? right? That is major betrayal. That, that's, that's major pain. People in our lives who flunk us or who fail us or who fire us or who humiliate us or who mock us or slander us or, or bully us, right? We understand what it's like to want to get revenge and to see something bad happen to the person that's done this to us. And, and so we, we want to we gossip back about them. We want to slander them. We'd love to punch them in the face, right? We just, we dream up things in our minds about ways that we can get back at them. And it brings us great joy to think that we could get a little bit of revenge and that someone would have to be accountable and pay for what they've done to us. When I was in high school, I was a junior in high school. My brother, Matt, my younger brother, Matt, was a freshman. And uh, one day he came home after school and he said, Kyle, uh, this kid in my class who doesn't like me, he and about you know, six other guys, seven other guys, they, they cornered me after school and he, they tried to beat me up. And, and I was able to, to get away, but I, I don't know what to do. And I, I don't want to go back to school. What should I do? And I was like... Don't worry about it. Let me handle this. So the next day at school, I went and found him. And I said, look, man, you leave my brother alone. You don't show up with six or seven guys. If you got an issue with him, tell me about that. You know, tell him about that one-on-one. -on -one. That's not cool. and That's not going to happen again. And, of course, he just smirked and kind of walked off. But uh, he continued to, you know, wasn't making life pleasant for my brother. But he didn't come back with the gang anymore. But uh, things were still Still tense. We're trying to figure out, you know, what the deal is, what's going on. And then a few weeks later, uh, we hear the word on the street. You know how the word on the street is in school. Uh, we, we hear that uh, some guys are going to be coming to our house this weekend, and they're going to come, and they're going to egg our house and roll our house with toilet paper. You know, take the, the toilet paper rolls, you throw it on the tree to make a big mess, and then all that kind of stuff. It's a nice way of flipping somebody the bird is basically what it's doing. And so they're going to do that to disrespect us and and so my brother and I are like, okay, we'll see who this is and see if this is really true or not. And so we waited outside in the bushes, and sure enough, here come these couple of guys. And so 
we came out and, and we, you know, we confronted him. And lo and behold, guess who it was? It was the kid that was bullying my brother. And so uh, we confronted them and, and it took, I just, you know, I hate to admit it, but it, I took great pleasure in defending my home uh, as we got into a fight over that. And we whooped their little butts and uh, it felt great, you know, just kind of taking out my anger, like my vengeance on this guy. Okay, you're going to bully my brother and you're going to come to my house and, you know, well, in defense, I'm glad to pound you in the dirt, buddy, right? It just, and it felt good. It felt good. And I, I know some of us want to do something like that in our lives sometimes, but was it right? Was that the course that I should have taken? Was that what God would have me do? Was, was I right to do that, to, to avenge my brother, to bring revenge upon this bully in that way, even though he had trespassed on our property and, and came after us, right? Was that the right thing? And was it right for me to feel so good about it? Who in your life needs to pay? Who would you love to see get what they deserve coming to them and, and how many of us would love to be the one that sticks it back to them, whether it's through violence or slander or gossip or sabotage or passive aggressive behavior or just cussing them out and making ourselves feel better or maybe just in our minds dreaming up all these things we'd love to see happen to them and it brings us great joy. Who in your life would you love to give some payback to? And is it our role? Is it right? What are we called to do when people harm us and do things like this? Well, I want to go to Scripture because I think that's a great place for us to start. And I think God has some, some interesting things to say to us today, some challenging things to say to us. And we're going to be in the New Testament. We're going to be in the book of Romans. It was written in the first century in the Mediterranean world by a man named Paul who was a Christian follower of Christ. He was a pastor, and he started lots of churches. And, and when he was away from the churches that he started, he would write them letters to encourage them, give them advice, things like that. And, and someone you know, got a lot of those letters, and they ended up making uh, most of our New Testament are made up of Paul's letters. So today he's writing to the church, the Christian church in Rome, Rome, Italy. And so it's, it's, a, it's a powerful church, a good church. And so Paul's writing to the Romans and he's writing about revenge. And so let's see what God says to us through Paul about getting back at people who have done wrong things to us. Romans 12, verses 17 through 19. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Now, there are a lot of things in Scripture that we usually don't want to read that are good for us, and I think this falls in that category. It's hard for us to hear this, that we're not supposed to, to seek vengeance. We're not supposed to seek to do evil back to those who have wronged us. And, and so we read Paul and we're like, oh man, why'd you say that? Right? You're, you're, you're stealing our thunder. You're stealing our joy. Like they, they wronged me and it's within my right to, to let them know about that and to, and to make them pay for that. What does it mean that we have to stop and, and not seek revenge? That's exactly what I want to do. I want to be the avenger, right? I want to be like the guys in the movies, but God says no. Paul says, no, God says, vengeance is mine. You let me handle it. You deal with your stuff. 
I will take care of this. And we read that, and, and maybe we think back to a couple of weeks ago when we studied the book of Jonah in the Old Testament where, where God called Jonah to go and preach to his enemies, and Jonah didn't want to go preach to his enemies because he knows God's a forgiving God, and, and God forgave the, the enemies of Jonah, and Jonah said to God, I knew it! I knew you'd forgive them! That's why I didn't want to go, right? They don't deserve forgiveness. I knew it. And so we read this and we think, okay, is there really a wrath of God? Do people have to pay? Will they be held accountable, right? And, and, and I'm not sure that God's going to do that, so maybe I need to do that. And, and, and when we, we make that transition, then now we're playing God, aren't we? Kind of like Thanos, we're playing God. But Paul says, no, that is God. Leave it to God, right? We talked last week, just last week, about how there are consequences for our actions. God does forgive us. He does. Right? He can take our guilt away, our shame away. Right? But there's still consequences we have to face. There are earthly consequences. There are eternal spiritual consequences. Right? Jesus is ready to help us with all this. Right? But, but there is accountability in this life. And God says, you leave that up to me. Don't you worry about that. Right? You might even not know what's going on. And it might not be an outward thing. It might be an inward conviction of someone, right? That, but God says, I have got this. You let it go. So we must step back and let God be God and not try to be God and, and trust that God will, will do what God needs to do to make things right. But, but then we maybe question, well, if God's doing this, and we're not sure God's necessarily doing this, does that mean that people can just do whatever they want and there are no consequences right, from, the, from the earthly side of things? Right? Is there no justice? Can, can we just let people do whatever they want to do and not step in? I mean, that would create a lawless society, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't think that's what Paul's saying. Because when you read all of Scripture, it says that justice is, a, is an important value to God, right? Making things right, holding people accountable. And in the Bible, the approach for the people that, that distribute justice, that meet out justice, are not individuals, right? Not, not a lone person like me, not, not a person like you, right? That, that justice is used in the world through the institution, usually of the state or the nation, right? That God works through that, that God works through the, uh, the, the legal system, God works through the justice system, that God uses the state, God uses the nation to distribute justice. It's supposed to be uh, objective, uh, and it's supposed to be faithful, it's supposed to be just to do the right thing, uh, and that the state even sometimes has the ability to use force to stop evil. Right? And so if the Avengers were acting on behalf of the, the earth as an, an official government being, well, then maybe they were justified in what they did. Uh, but it definitely says that that is not for an individual to do. Right? We can't take justice into our own hands through revenge. Now, some of us are probably asking, well, what if the state, what if the government, what if the nation is not a godly state? What if it's not a, a, a godly nation? Then are we supposed to listen to what the government has to say? And man, I'd love to explore that with you, but that's a whole other sermon topic, and we can't do that today. I think the short answer is, in the Bible, it says that when the state was not a Christian state, the Christians resisted the state, right? But I think the bottom line here, today our topic is revenge. Our topic is about getting people back. The Bible clearly says it's not for individuals to do that. We trust God. We trust the institution, the government to be able to do that, right? We're not supposed to focus on that as individuals. And I think that God's doing some positive things by asking us not to seek revenge. One of them is that it kind of breaks the cycle of violence. It breaks the cycle of retaliation. 
If I get revenge on you for doing something wrong to me, now someone's going to get revenge on me for doing something to you. Then someone's going to get revenge on them for doing something to them. Right? And you see, it just escalates. Right? If we're just all going around as vigilantes in the world, you know, taking out our aggression and, and revenge on, on others, then we're just going to keep doing that back and forth, whether that's physical violence or, or, or the violence of words and gossip or just the hatred in our hearts. Right? It's just going to escalate and it's going to be out of hand and bad things are going to keep happening somewhere the circuit has to break. And so God's saying to us, flip the circuit yourself. It's not up to you to seek the revenge, right? You've got to cut the circuit out, right? And Paul doesn't just say this. Jesus says it in the Gospels as well, right? And so, so it's good for our society, for individuals, not to seek their own revenge. But I even think it goes beyond that. I think God tells us not to seek revenge because ultimately it's good for us. It's good for us in our hearts and our souls because revenge will eat us alive. It will eat us alive and it will prevent us from living life to the full, which is what Jesus wants for us. He came, John 10, 10 says, I came to give you life and to have it to the full. If we're walking around with hatred and vengeance in our hearts, we're not living life to the full. And I found some interesting quotes on the internet from, from some people. I don't know if they're Christian or not, but I think these quotes are rooted in the scripture that we're reading in other passages of scripture of Jesus and Paul. And it shows to us why God says don't seek revenge and because he wants it to be something good for us, right? Keeping us out of the revenge business. Check this out. While seeking revenge, dig two graves, one for yourself, right? You're going to kill yourself, right? Internally or even externally if you seek revenge. Revenge proves its own executioner, right? That's, that's powerful. I think you can interpret that in a couple of different ways. But basically, if we get into the revenge business, we're executing ourselves. Whether it's overtly physically or it's going to be spiritually or emotional collapse, right? Revenge proves its own executioner, right? If, I'm, if I take revenge on someone, then someone's going to take out their wrath on me, right? It proves to be its own executioner. If you spend your time ho- hoping someone will suffer the consequences of what they did to your heart, then you're allowing them to hurt you a second time in your mind. Let's keep this up here for a second. This says that revenge doesn't have to be an outward thing. It it can be inside of us, right? It's not a physical violence thing. It's not an outdoor action kind of thing. Revenge and, and the feelings around revenge can eat us alive from the inside, right? If we are hoping someone's going to suffer, right? Not only has our heart been damaged, but now our mind's been damaged, right? We've let evil into our own minds. And so what this says, we're killing ourselves from within, right? And we're allowing the person that hurt us to have control over us. We're giving them more power and attention than they deserve, right? They probably haven't given us a second thought since they did whatever they did to us. When we harbor it and we keep it with us, it is dangerous to our souls, not theirs, right? Revenge is not worthy of you. If you concentrate on revenge, you will keep those wounds fresh that would otherwise have healed. Now, this is powerful, people. When we're focusing on revenge, we don't allow the wounds that the person has given us to be healed, right? That's why God asks us to forgive. One of the many reasons God asks us to forgive. It's not just for their benefit. It's for our benefit. We have to let it go. If we don't let it go, then the wound stays fresh, a wound that God is ready to heal and to allow us to move on from. How many of us are carrying wounds and baggage 
from not just yesterday, but last week or last month or last year. I know people who are carrying grudges and, and, and wounds from 20 years ago. And that's got to be tiring. That's got to be tiring carrying that baggage, the weight upon yourself within your hearts. And I guarantee the people that they're upset about with haven't thought about them in 20 years at all. And we are choosing to give them power over our lives. That's why it's so important for God to say to us not to seek revenge, not even inside our own hearts, but to let it go. Right? It's, it's a powerful thing. And then I love this quote. This is not new, but living well is the best revenge, right? You want to stick it to them, live a great life, right? <laughs> right? You might have hurt me, but I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to let you just stop me. I'm not going to let this define my life. I am moving on. I'm going to live life to the full in God, and I'm moving on beyond this, right? Jesus says to us, Paul says to us, right, don't seek revenge because it's good for us not to seek it, right? If we stew about it, if we let it stay in our hearts, it will eat us alive, right? Our wounds will not heal. We will not find peace, right? That's why God asks us to forgive others, right? To let it go. It's good for us to let it go, even though they don't deserve it. It's good for us to let it go, right? That's what God's saying. And if we take revenge on someone and God tells us not to, now guess who incurs the wrath of God? Us, right? So now we have to face the consequences. We have to repent. We have to ask for forgiveness, right? All that kind of stuff. But, but we're going to face whatever consequence it is because we have done exactly what God asked us not to do. And I don't think that's a position that we want to find ourselves in, right? And so God says this for our own benefit. Now, that doesn't mean that when someone does something harmful to us, we're just like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to go on with my life. God's going to take care of you. I'm going to be okay. You're forgiven, right? right. We got to deal with this, right? Because a lot of times when people do stuff to us, it is harmful and it's hurtful and it's abusive and it's heinous and, and we're not just going to forget about it. And, and so what I'm saying is we've got to find a way to deal with it. We've got to find a way to get it out of our system because if not, it will eat us up on the inside, right? And, and it's going to become a cancer. Right? So maybe the first things that we need to do, if we're in a bad situation and someone's harming us and continuing to harm us, right, the, the thing to do is to, is to get out of that situation. Right? To, if it means that we have to tell on them to an adult or to the police or something to stop the abuse or harm, right? God's not saying be a doormat and let someone keep abusing you, right? So, so one way of dealing with the situation is calling it out, right? Don't keep it a secret. Let, let whoever needs to know need to know. If you need to get away from this situation, get away from it, right? Set up boundaries. Remove yourself from the situation. I'm not saying stay and let somebody continue to abuse you, not at all in any sense of the manner, right? So, so one way that we deal with it is we get ourselves in a safe situation. We get ourselves out of that. We, we set up boundaries, but then we got to deal with the hurt, right? My wife, Laura, she's, she's great. Like the way that she deals with stuff in her life, she processes audibly, right? She, she talks about it. Like she'll, she'll share with me. She'll share with her, her family, her friends. Like it's good for her to process the stress in her life by, by talking about it. I'm the exact opposite. And I don't want to talk about it, right? I, I bury that. I, I'm sure I'm the only one in here that does that, right? I bury that stuff down deep. I don't want to deal with it, right? I just want to go on, stiff upper lip. You know, I'm a guy. I got to move forward. I'm not going to be a whim. I have to deal with my emotions and all that kind of stuff, right? So I, I bury it down deep. You know what happens when I bury it down deep? I bury other stuff down deep, bury other stuff down deep. At some point, it blows up, right? 
it comes out, right? And someone says, hey, Kyle, uh, I like your shirt today. What do you mean, right? And it just, boom, right? And it just all comes out, right? And usually it comes out on people that I care about, my family, my friends who've done nothing to deserve it. It's all this baggage I'm carrying around. I just hit my, my snapping point and it comes out. That's what road rage is, right? Right? When, when someone stops on the road and shoots somebody because they didn't turn their blinker on, they're not really mad about the blinker. It's about all the junk in their life that's going on. And so I found that when I force myself to talk about my feelings with my <laughs> friends or family, that it works, right? It actually helps me to process it and get it out. And a lot of times I have to talk about it to God and say, God, this hurts. I don't know what to do. I'm so mad. I want some revenge. I want to take them out, right? I, I want to, you know, make their life miserable, whatever, right? But I can't do this, God. And I, I just, I have to lay it all out before God and say, God, you need to help me with this. So if you're feeling those feelings and, and you're hearing this stuff and, and you know what it's like to have wounds that aren't healed, right? We got to find a way to get it out. Hit a punching bag, talk to somebody, talk to a counselor, talk to a pastor, you know, get it. You got to find a way to process it. Ultimately, give it to Jesus, right? That's the best thing that we can do. Now, this is tough stuff. As if it wasn't hard enough, Paul has more to say, okay? So uh, it's going to get even harder. This is, this, is, this is the hard part about being a follower of Jesus. They, God sticks some stuff to us, all right? So let's keep reading in, in Romans chapter 12. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. What? you got to be kidding me, right? If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Oh, I got something for him to drink, let me tell you. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now that sounds better, a little more torture here, right? Right? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, and so again, right, Paul is writing stuff like you can't be serious here, right? You, it's not just I can't retaliate. Now I've got to be nice to the people that do wrong to me. Are you kidding me? What does it mean to heap burning coals on their head? Because that sure sounds good. What that means is that when someone does something wrong to us and we respond by being kind to them, the intent is to make them feel so ashamed for their behavior as it compares to our behavior that they're going to ask a question, why are you doing this? Right? What's the purpose? What's the intent? And that's when we can share the love of God with them. Right? Jesus is the ultimate example. What did we do to him? Uh, he came to save us and we rejected him. We made fun of him. Uh, we tortured him and we killed him. And what did Jesus do in response? He forgives us. He died on a cross for us. He wants to give us life to the full and allow us to be live forever in the kingdom of heaven, right? Jesus is the ultimate example of showing what goodness can do. And so when we are kind to people who are evil to us, then it's supposed to help break that circuit and call them out and, and hit them in the conscious, right? Again, not putting ourselves in a dangerous position, like we want to remove ourselves from abusive situations, but, but to be creative in thinking about how can I share the love of God with someone who is my enemy, Right? And so we, we read that and we're like, really, Paul? Jesus says the same stuff. Really, Jesus? You know, but, you know this, is, this is hard. Right? What am I supposed to do? Right? So what? What's the point? What's the big idea? I think the, the so what moment, the big idea today, I'm just going to quote it directly from Scripture. Right? What Paul says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't want to get my revenge, but I can't do that, right? Because I become part of the problem, right? So I am not going to respond with evil. I'm going to figure out a way to respond with goodness. Now, that is incredibly difficult. It is, right? The first part of this Romans passage is hard. It's like, you don't want me to retaliate? 
Right? I want to retaliate. I want to get on the phone. I want to get on the computer. Right? I, I'm ready to retaliate. That, that's hard enough for some of us. And now Paul is saying, and also Jesus is saying, to take it a step further, but to be kind to those who are our enemies. Now, I'm guessing like you, if you're like me, that the, just being able to do the first part of this might be the hard part for us right now, right? We, we just got to learn how not to retaliate to people, right? Shoot our mouth off or fire out the social media kind of stuff. But Paul also is pushing us to take it to the next step of being forgiving and being kind and being good to those who, who are our enemies. And so that's challenging and, and, and we hear that and and I'm honest, I struggle with that. Like my spiritual maturity when it comes to that is, 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 is not what it should be, right? It's probably about this. It needs to be more like this. And, you know, I was thinking about like when I was in high school, how could I have handled that situation differently? What would God have wanted me to do about that situation? You know, maybe I, I could have told a teacher, maybe I could have told a parent, but I didn't want to be a snitch, right? And be made fun of and just, you know, I'm a guy, I got to handle this on my own kind of a thing. I could have said to the kid, hey, man, what's your beef with my brother? Let me buy you a piece of pizza. Let's just sit down and talk about it. Right? Or when they were standing in our yard and we we're getting ready to, you know, beat the snot out of them. I could have said, you know what, guys, rather than fighting you right now, I'm just I'm, I'm not going to hit you. We're not going to do this. Right. Why don't you come inside? Let's have a conversation. Right. If they're getting violent and say, you know what, you guys need to leave. I'm not going to I'm not going to fight you. Right. I'm going to call the cops, whatever. Right. There's probably a million different things I could have done differently to handle it more in a godly manner than I did. But it's hard. And so, you know, when you think about loving people, thank goodness it doesn't mean we, we have this emotional connection to them, but it, it's our choices. It's our mindset. It's our actions. It's, it's what we do. And so I've discovered this in my life. We cannot love the way the Bible asks us to love without the enabling grace of God. I can't love my enemies on my own. I can't be nice to people who are mean to me on my own. I can't do good in the face of evil on my own. I need the power of God living in me because I'm not strong enough. I'm not big enough to do that. Right? That's why we have you know, practices in our church that help us tap into the power of God. That's why it's important for us to worship together every week. That's why it's important for us to read the Bible every day and to pray to God every day. That's why it's important for us to be in small groups, life groups that meet in our church throughout the week, right? So that when we're in a bad situation, say, this stinks. I don't like it. I don't like this person. Can you guys give me some advice, some Christian advice? How do you think I should handle this, right? That's why we have these practices because it's real life stuff. And so, you know, that's why we come together to try to live a Christian life together. And ultimately, we're not strong enough on our own. We need God and we need each other. I'm not big enough to love like the Bible tells me on my own. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's happening in the Holy Spirit is, is why we do these Christian things and we come together. And, and I need help. That's the only way that, I, that I'm able to be a Christian in the world and to have moments of goodness in my life because it's not me, it's God working through me and through the people in my life who help me to do this, right? And, 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 and y'all, this is so important because living in America right now, it feels to me we're so divided on so many issues and it's so elevated, it's so much in the news. Uh, it feels like we're living in a powder keg and we're giving off sparks, if you know the old 80s song that sings that, right? And uh, it's real. And there are people dying in our streets, in our schools, in our Walmarts, seems like every day, right? And the government 
plays an important role to try to, to do something about this. Whether you're Democrat or Republican, independent, the government plays a role. Big business plays a role in trying to fix this, right? The lobbying groups, all that kind of stuff, right? Celebrities who have the, the attention of, of, of everybody, right? They, they play a role in all of this. Uh, and the church plays a role in all of this. I think absolutely all those, those factors play a role. But here's where, here's where the battle's won and lost. The battle's won and lost in our hearts, individual hearts. So it doesn't matter what the government does, what the media does, uh, what big business does, what matters and where the battle happens in our lives, whether we're going to pick up the gun and go to Walmart, whether we're going to pick up the phone and cuss somebody out, whether we're going to pick up the keyboard and, and fire off some social media blasting of our, of our enemies, right? That battle is won and fought in our hearts. If America's going to make it, it's going to need Jesus. And that comes in our hearts. It's a bottom-up movement. It's a grassroots-up movement, right? And that starts with you and me. If we cannot find a way to love and forgive the enemies in our lives, then our nation has no choice, no chance, right? Because the battle is won in you and me, right? So this is what I would ask us to do. The next time that someone's done something wrong to you and you're ready to give it back to them in whatever form that looks like, I want you to ask yourself a question that's based on this passage of Scripture in Paul today. As a Jesus follower, am I being overcome by evil or am I overcoming evil with good? As I prepare to send off this email, as I prepare to pick up the phone, as I prepare to type this out for social media, as I prepare to tweet or, or, or Instagram or whatever, is what I'm getting ready to do, am I overcoming evil or is evil overcoming me? Right? If we took a second and stopped before we, we just acted, and ask the Holy Spirit to give us guidance, I think our nation would be a much better nation. I think our family life would be a much better family. I think our friendships would be much better friendships. I think our workplaces and schools would be much better places because we are not invoking the way that the world gives payback. We are invoking the way that God asked us to do it. Right? And that's powerful. You know, I felt so good when I pounded that kid in the dirt in my yard after he'd done all that stuff to my brother and, and yet when the adrenaline, when it wore off, you know, when that adrenaline wore off, I felt horrible. I felt so guilty. I felt so bad. I'm like, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I'm a teenager, but I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I go to church. I go to youth group. I'm a leader in my church and my youth group. My dad is an ordained pastor, right? We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to stand apart. And, 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 and how have I acted? I just, I felt horrible about that. Right? And, and what scared me was the, the man, the young man that I could become, like just, just like that. Right? I, I could become so full of hate and violence that, that I could pound some kid in the dirt right, for coming to roll my yard because he'd been picking on my brother. I didn't like the person that I was able to become just like flipping a switch. That scared me. And so I talked about it with my girlfriend. I, I prayed about it. I asked for God's forgiveness and and, and, you know, ultimately, I went and asked this young man to, for, to forgive me. And I told him that I was sorry. That didn't go well, by the way. Uh, <laughs> right? But I didn't like who I had become. I do like who I am in the grace of Jesus Christ. I want to set a better example for my family. My boys are in here right now listening to me talk. There's a better way. There's a better way, right? So the next time that you want to get payback, the next time that you want to get revenge, remember this. 
We become what we hate when we seek revenge. We become what we hate when we seek revenge. And we're no better than the person that that harmed us. We become what we hate when we seek revenge. So in your lives, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good in the power of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you for challenging us today with these words from Paul. They are so difficult, Lord. Help us to believe that as hard as they are, they are for our good. Not just the good of our nation, not just the good of the person that that has done harm to us, but they're good for our souls, Lord. God, it's it's a weird time living in our nation right now. It is like a powder keg, Lord, and, and we're scared and we're anxious and we're mad and we want to see vengeance, Lord, and we want to cheer for that. God, help us to be different. Help us to see that the battle for our nation, the battle for our world is, is a battle of spiritual powers, God. It's a battle that, that is not waged all in government or media or, or the news, Lord, or in classrooms. It's, it's waged in our hearts, God. And we know that you have given us the victory through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. You give us the power of your Holy Spirit, God. Help us to overcome evil, Lord, with your power. You have said that we can do this. We believe it, Lord. Help us to overcome evil with good. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.